0: Thank you for praying for Jan and me. We've, uh, we're over our jet lag, which as you all know is a wonderful thing to be through. We've been uh, gotten our cell phones set up, working on getting visas. Uh, we've, we've actually driven around town and not gotten lost too many times. We, we visited Ikea and actually made our way back out of it. So uh, we've been getting adjusted and acclimated and you've been praying for us and we can tell. We wanna thank you very much. As Pastor Matt mentioned, um, God's called us to plant a church here in the Mohammed bin Zayed area meeting in Musafah right near Delma Mall. And every day we're here, our hearts are just growing with a sense of this is an awesome thing um, to be part of a team, off-island church, ECC, on-islands, to be planting a third church here in this area, to glorify Jesus Christ, to see people reconcile to God, to see families have Christ at their center, to see marriages restored, to see men and women set free, to see them come into the joy of knowing their Creator. What an amazing privilege. And so we are thrilled that we get to be here, really feel honored. So as Pastor Matt mentioned, if we're assuming that God's called most all of you to be right here at Off Island Church, Okay, and we love that. So keep going, keep pursuing the vision here, but there will be some of you, we're praying, and the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart. You want to think about this church plan. And so if you'd like to talk more about it you can email me, Pastor Steve Fuller at Gmail. like Pastor Matt mentioned I'm on, the, I'm on the, I'm listed on the staff now part of the church. it's got promoted. very exciting. And uh, the plan is we're praying God will form up a core of people and we'll start like a life group, a home group, start meeting every week to build each other up and trust in trusting Christ, to learn how to grow in him together, to love each other, to pursue the one in others. So we're really experiencing Christ-centered community. And then to encourage and pray for each other to reach out in our neighborhoods and workplaces to see people come to Christ. And then as the Lord blesses, one life group we pray will become two, three, four. And we'd love it if when we start meeting on Fridays, late this year or early next year, that we'd have a couple of life groups already uh, operating so we can hit the ground running. So anyway, pray. God calls you to be here at Off-Island Church. we love that. If he calls you to talk to us more, we'd love that too. We're all a team together in glorifying and praising and advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ here in this place. Let's pray, we'll open up God's word. What a feast we've had this morning of worship, and of prayer, and of your word already. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are real. You're alive and we can know you. When we turn our hearts to you, you meet us, and you fill us, and you satisfy us. And Lord, I need your help now to preach Give me your heart. Give me your words. Would you speak today? Would you come and make these words alive and that everyone here, every single one of us would be encouraged and strengthened and impacted, Lord, with the truth of who you are? So help me move in our hearts for your glory and for our good. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, one thing I love about God is the fact that when we're struggling spiritually, he doesn't abandon us or forsake us or walk away from us, but he comes to us and brings us whatever we need. When we're struggling spiritually, whether we're doubting his reality, whether we're weighed down by Struggles and difficulties, whether we're not sure what he's doing and we're not sure we're liking where this is going or when we're struggling to obey or whatever it might be, when we're struggling spiritually, the Bible teaches again and again that God does not walk away from us or leave us, but he will bring us whatever we need. I think about Thomas. Remember Thomas, who doubted that Jesus had risen from the dead. And Jesus didn't abandon him. Jesus didn't walk away from him. Here's Thomas, full of unbelief. And Jesus didn't leave him. Jesus came to Thomas. Remember the story? He said, Thomas, look at my hands, touch them. Thomas, look at my side. See, I've risen. And so Jesus brought Thomas exactly what he needed to be strengthened in his faith. I think about Gideon. Remember the story of Gideon? God had called Gideon to deliver Israel from the Midianites. And Gideon was struggling with believing that, and God didn't abandon Gideon to go find somebody else. What did God do? Fire from heaven, number one. Number two, dew landing just on the lambskin, not anywhere around. Number three, dew just everywhere around the lambskin and not on the lambskin. Gave him everything he needed. I love that when we are weak, when we're struggling, God doesn't abandon us. He gives us whatever we need. Here's one of the most powerful times I've experienced that. This is years ago, Jan and I were in America, California, Southern California, and God called us to go plant a church six hours north in San Jose. And he was very clear. It was kind of an amazing time. Dreams, numerous specific dreams, where to live, where to work. I was working to pay the bills. Confirmation from the leadership of the church we were in, strongly speaking to our hearts, we knew we were supposed to go plant this church. But one night, I was just filled with unbelief and doubt. My wife, got two little kids, three years old, one year old. What are we doing leaving this position to go six hours north? Didn't know anybody up there. So I went to bed just saying, God help me. I'm full of unbelief. I don't, I don't know if we should do this. Confirm to me that this is from you. Next morning I was teaching a class at a nearby church on the Old Testament and during that class there was a break and a couple walked up to me during the break and they didn't, they didn't know me, I didn't know them and they said, could we talk to you? And they took me out into the hall and they said something very strange happened as we were driving here this morning. We were praying and we started to pray for you. And then God impressed upon our hearts that we were supposed to tell you something. We're supposed to tell you that everything that you're sensing from God has been from God. And you're supposed to go and do this. Now, they had no idea of anything that we were thinking about. So again, in my life, you've seen this too, all through the Scriptures. God loves to meet us when we're struggling spiritually with unbelief, doubts, fears, discouragement, weariness. He does not abandon us at those times. He brings us whatever we need. And that's what we're going to see God doing to Peter, James, and John in Mark chapter 9. So let's turn there. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. By the way, Pastor Matt, what time should I wrap up here? Uh, Switch on the spot. No. Whenever you're done. Uh, okay, but what time does usually wrap up? He's not going to tell me. Before 12, no problem. Okay, all right. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 13. What Mark tells us about the transfiguration. I'll read this passage. Start with verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? That is before the Messiah. And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. Speaking of John the Baptist, John the Baptist came first. And then Jesus asks them, how is it written in the Old Testament of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, John the Baptist has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased. As it is written of him. Now, notice one thing from the way Mark describes this passage. He's not describing this as a myth or as a fairy tale. He doesn't say, once upon a time, there was a man named Jesus who took three guys up to the top of a mountain. It's not how he's talking here. The way he describes this event, it's clear that he means for us to take this as history. Mark wants us to understand that Jesus really did take Peter, James, and John up to the top of the mountain. That he really was transfigured before them. That Moses and Elijah really did appear and were talking with Jesus. And that God really did speak saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So Mark wants us to understand that these events actually happened. Now, I don't assume anything about everyone here. You may be doubtful as to whether something like this could actually happen. So let me just give you two things to think about to kind of process this. First of all, if there's a God, and I believe that there is a God, then he could totally do this. No problem, right? Not with one hand tied behind his back, or both. Not a difficulty. If there's a God, every one of these events could take place. But here's a second thing to consider, and just for those of you who are believers to be reminded of. And that is, this book is full of eyewitness testimony. Eyewitnesses saw these things take place and described them. Mark wrote down what Peter told him had happened up on the mountain. That's the gospel of Mark. Luke describes this event. And Luke was based on eyewitness accounts. Matthew wrote down this event and he would have talked to Peter, James, and John. And then the brother read for us as part of the scripture reading this morning what Peter wrote when he said, I was an eyewitness of his majesty on the mountain. So we're dealing with eyewitness, four eyewitness documents independently corroborating these events so we can be confident that the transfiguration happened for many, many reasons, and one of them is the eyewitness confirmation of it. But what I want to focus on this morning is why. Why did the transfiguration happen? What was the purpose of it? Why was Jesus transfigured? Look at Mark chapter 9. As I studied this passage what I saw was that Jesus was transfigured in order to help Peter and James and John. Notice what Mark says, beginning of verse 2. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John. So Peter and James and John weren't just like walking by and happened to stumble upon the transfiguration. No, Jesus said, Peter, James, and John, come with me. We're going up to the top of a mountain. Jesus wanted them to experience this. Second, look at the end of verse 2. Mark says Jesus was transfigured before them. So he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, which shows that God wanted Peter, James, and John to see this. This was so that they could see it. It was before them. Look at verse 4. We read that Elijah and Moses appeared to them. And notice the word them is plural, so they didn't just appear to Jesus. They appeared to Jesus as well as Peter and James and John. So God wanted Peter, James, and John to see Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Finally, look at verse 7. A cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Who is God talking to He's not talking to Moses and Elijah. Luke's gospel tells us that they've already departed the scene. He's not talking to Jesus because he's talking about Jesus. So who is God talking to here then from the cloud? Only people that are left are Peter, James, and John. So God is saying, Peter, James, John, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. He's talking to them. So the transfiguration was not for Jesus, for Moses, for Elijah. The transfiguration was for Peter, James and John and then as they recounted it to the rest of the disciples and as we can read about it today. It's for us. Now why? Why did Peter, James and John need to experience the transfiguration? Why? Here's why. Back in chapter eight, we can see that the disciples believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. You can see that in verse 29. Mark 8, 29, we read, And he, Jesus, asked them, asked the disciples, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. So at this point, Peter, speaking for the rest of the disciples, understood that Jesus was fully God, that he was the Christ, the Messiah foretold in the Old Testament, Who would come to the earth, who would pay for sin, who would bring God's blessing to God's people, Israel, all the nations, who would judge wickedness. They believed that Jesus was fully God, that he was the Messiah, that he was Christ, and that they should listen to him. So at this point, they believed that. But then Jesus said something that shocked them. Look at verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now this was the first time that Jesus had told the disciples that he was going to suffer and be rejected by the leadership of Israel and that he was going to die. Now, he did mention that he was going to rise in three days, but from reading further, we can see that brought them no comfort because they didn't understand that. Look at verses 9 and 10. You'll see they they didn't understand this resurrection thing. Verses 9 and 10. As they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. They didn't understand the rising from the dead, but they did understand dying. They knew what Jesus had said about that, and they didn't like it. And so this threw them into a spiritual crisis. And look at Peter's response, verse 32. And he, Jesus, said this plainly, and Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Picture this. Jesus being rebuked by Peter. Peter saying to Jesus, you're wrong. No, that's not going to happen. I do not believe that. What you're saying is false, can't be true. Peter's rebuking Jesus at this point. So Peter, all the disciples are just thrown into a tailspin. How can he be God? How can he be the Messiah foretold by the Old Testament? Why should we listen to him if he's going to suffer and be rejected and die? So the disciples are thrown into a spiritual crisis at this point, full of doubt, full of confusion, full of unbelief. Jesus didn't abandon them, didn't walk away from Peter at this point saying, Goodbye, Peter. God didn't forsake Peter, James, and John. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the top of a mountain so that they could see the transfiguration. So what did Peter, James, and John experience on the mountaintop? Let me mention three things. First, they saw Jesus transfigured, verses 2 and 3. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. Now picture this. On the way up the mountain, Jesus looked like any ordinary man. Ordinary clothes, whatever. But up on the mountaintop, he was transfigured. His clothes were shining, radiant, intensely white. I think it's Matthew who says that his face shone like the sun. This intense light shining forth from Jesus. So what's going on here? Jesus is fully God. But his Godhood, his deity, had been veiled by human flesh, human weakness. But here, God the Father, it's like he, he parts the veil and light shines forth. Brilliant, blazing light. The, the glory that Jesus had as God is shining forth from this point. And so the disciples, they'd walked up with Jesus, just looked like an ordinary person, And all of a sudden, boom, light. They're seeing the very glory of God shining from Jesus. So they would have known, this is God. I mean, think of how this would have helped them. They're seeing God's very glory shining forth from Jesus. Yes, you are God. I see it. I understand. They would have been strengthened. They would have been established. They would have been built up. That's the first thing they experienced. Second, they saw Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. Look at verses 4 through 6. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, Mark tells us, for they were terrified. So Peter, James, and John see Elijah and Moses appear and and start to talk with Jesus. Now, who who are Elijah and Moses? Moses, as you know, was one of Israel's main leaders. Remember, he's the one who was called by God to lead Israel out of Egypt with power and signs and wonders. He led Israel through the, the wilderness. So Moses, major Old Testament leader, he wrote most of the law. Elijah was one of the most pivotal prophets worked with great power, very significant ministry. And so here's Moses representing the the law and Elijah representing the prophets. Moses and Elijah represent the Old Testament. And so they appear. The disciples see, there's Moses, here's Elijah. And they're talking with Jesus. And Luke's gospel tells us what they were talking about. Moses and Elijah were talking about Jesus' departure which meant they were talking about his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. So Moses and Elijah, Old Testament figures, talking to Jesus about his death, his suffering, and his resurrection, and his ascension. So what the disciples would have seen is that the Old Testament law, the prophets, they spoke of Jesus' death. They spoke of Jesus' suffering. We've been misunderstanding the Old Testament. The Old Testament teaches clearly that the Messiah would suffer and die to pay for our sins. Read Isaiah 53 this afternoon. Beautiful, heartbreaking, encouraging description of the sufferings of the Messiah. So the Old Testament taught that the Messiah would suffer and die for our sins. And so think of how Peter and James and John would have been helped. Think of how Peter would have felt. He had rebuked Jesus about talking about this, and now it's like the Old Testament taught this. I was wrong. You are the Son of God. You are God in the flesh. You are the Messiah. We will listen to you. This would have been so encouraging to Peter to have experienced. So why was Jesus transfigured? Why were his close shining with glory, his face shining like the sun. Why did Elijah and Moses come and appear and talking about his departure? Actually, I left out there's a third crucial thing that happened here. Most important one, actually. This is the punchline for the whole story. They hear God command them to listen to Jesus. This is astonishing. Verse seven. And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now think of how this would have impacted the disciples. They had heard Jesus say that he was going to suffer many things, be rejected by the leadership of Israel, and be be crucified. And so they were wondering, how can he be God? How can he be the Messiah? Should we continue to listen to him? They didn't see how the Messiah could die. But here they are on the mountain, just seeing Jesus shining with God's very glory because he was God. Elijah and Moses, the Messiah, is going to to suffer, and now this large cloud starts towering over them, and God speaks to them from the cloud. And imagine, this is my beloved son. Peter, James, John, this is my beloved son. I mean, think of hearing God's voice. Remember when you were little and your dad called you by your first and last name? Or middle name, Stephen Daniel Fuller. You hear his voice, okay. But this is God speaking, and God's voice would have been it would have been tender, would have been compassionate, would have been strong, I think it would have been stern. Peter, James, John, this is my beloved son. Never forget it, Peter, James, John. This is my beloved son. Listen. To him, don't be rebuking him. Listen to him. Can you feel the power of that? I love how God does this. Think of how this would have helped. Peter, James, and John. So, seeing Jesus shining with the very glory of God, Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus about his departure, crucifixion, Old Testament taught that, and then hearing God say, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Can you see the mercy of God in helping Peter and James and John and as they heard the rest of the disciples? And as we read this story in our Bibles now, the mercy, the grace, the compassion of God to help us, to strengthen our faith, to build us up when we're struggling to trust him. Don't you love God? Look at his compassion. Look at his mercy. I mean, how many times has he done this for me? How many times has he done this for you? Once again, I fall into unbelief. Almost every day, at least once, you know, just oh. And then he brings me what I need. Father, help me. I'm struggling. Somebody calls a verse in scripture, Jan prays for me. He he brings me what I need, time and time and time and time again. And you've experienced this too. He's so patient. He's so merciful. The transfiguration was for the purpose of helping Peter, James, and John, and all of us see who Jesus Christ is. Now, let's apply this to us. Two applications I want you to consider this morning. First of all, I want you to be encouraged with how loving and merciful God is. Do you see that here? He's loving and he's merciful. When we are struggling spiritually, he is not standing back with his arms folded saying, figure it out. Get strong. Strengthen yourself. Get it together. It's not what he does. He moves towards us with whatever we need. He promises every time we're struggling, every time we're weak, every time we're fearful or doubting, Every time we're feeling like this temptation is too much for me. Every time we feel like the trial is going on too long. Every time we feel like I've been praying for that for weeks, months, years. Every time we're struggling, understanding why is God doing this? Every time we struggle, God is not moving back from us. He is moving towards us with everything that we need. And so my encouragement to you is when you struggle spiritually, Ask him to help you. Help me, Father. Through Jesus, come, give me what I need. He promises he will always give you everything that you need to strengthen you and to help you. That's the first application. Some of you need to hear this because you're feeling very weak and very discouraged. Not because I've noticed that in you, but I just say that because group this size, I'm sure it's true. God has everything you need, and he will give it to you gladly and freely because of Jesus Christ. So turn to him. Don't don't stand back from him. Don't think you've got to get strong spiritually before you can come to him. It's not how it works. He will help you get strong spiritually. He'll come to you with what you need. It's first application. Second application. Let this passage show you that we must listen to Jesus. I'm sure most of you are listening to Jesus in in most areas, but I would guess all of us maybe have one area right now where maybe it's more difficult to listen to him. For example, maybe you're struggling with with guilt over sin. Maybe, Maybe you're brand new here this morning and you haven't yet experienced the guilt of your sin being lifted off of you through trusting Christ and his pardoning, assuring love being poured out upon you. Maybe you haven't experienced that yet. And the guilt of your sin is making you think, this all sounds interesting, but I'm just too sinful. Or maybe you are a believer who has experienced Christ's forgiveness, but there is one sin back there that just plagues you with guilt. So maybe you're struggling with guilt over sin. But see, Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call who? Sinners! He came to call sinners. He came to seek and save the lost. Are you guilty in your sin? He came for you. You are why he came. He came to call not the righteous, but the sinners. He came to seek and save you. So God the Father is standing before you now and he's saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him when he said, I came to seek and save the lost. Listen to him when he said, I came to give my life as a ransom to pay the sins for many. Listen to him when he said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. If you're struggling with your guilt, God is speaking to you through this passage saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him and turn to him. Confess your sin. Trust his death on the cross and be assured of complete forgiveness. All sins, past, present, future, forgiven. Listen to him. Another example, maybe you're wondering, whether Jesus is the only way to be saved. Maybe you're wondering whether there aren't many ways to God. And yet Jesus said very clearly, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so if you're struggling with whether Jesus is the only way, God is speaking to you through this passage, and he's saying, hear those words? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. And understand that the only way men, women, children can be forgiven and reconciled to our creator God is through his Son, whom he sent to die on the cross and pay for our sins. Listen to him. Lay aside notions of many ways to God. Lay those aside. Understand it's only through Jesus that men and women can be forgiven. And then let's get on with the task of making disciples, sharing the good news in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods in appropriate, helpful, wise but clear ways. Maybe you're facing a temptation this morning that feels impossible to overcome. I can't battle this anymore. I just have to succumb. Maybe that's what you're struggling with but see jesus said john 8 if you abide in my word you will know the truth and the truth will make you free and in the context there he's talking about freedom from sins tempting power so jesus promises go to the word maybe with the brother or sister pray over the scriptures he will bring his power upon you and set you free from that temptation you feel overwhelmed by it now yes you are but he's promised abide in my word You'll know the truth. It'll set you free. And this morning, God is speaking to you through this passage, saying, the one who spoke those words is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so turn to Christ. Open up the word. Ask someone to pray for you. Ask one of the elders, your life group leader, your husband, your wife, show me a scripture that would be helpful. Pray with me about this. As you do that, you will experience the Holy Spirit strengthening your faith. Sin's grip will lose its power. You will be strengthened to endure and to overcome. Remember we sang saying about overcoming, being victorious. He will do that for you. One last example. Maybe you are weary and tired and ready to give up. Maybe it's difficulties with your kids. Maybe it's struggles with your marriage, work problems, health issues, relational problems, spiritual a sense of oppression, whatever. Maybe you, you're feeling weary and tired and ready to give up. But Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And then what does he promise? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Come to me, I will give you rest. And so to you who are weary, heavy laden, feeling exhausted at the end of your resources, God would speak to you through Mark chapter 9 and say, the one who spoke those words, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Come to him. Turn to him and say, Jesus, help me. Strengthen me. I'm at the end of my resources. I don't know what to do. He will help you. He will strengthen you. He will meet you. One more. I think I need, I need to mention this. Uh, maybe there's someone that you're not loving You're loving other people, but there's one person you're struggling to love. Maybe it's your husband, or it's your wife, or your kids, maybe, or your parents. Somebody at the workplace, struggling to love. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And this morning, God would, with great love in his eyes, but great strength, say, that's my beloved son who said those words. Listen to him. He'll help you love that person. Don't pull back from them anymore. Love them. Forgive them. Reach out to them. Understand them. Talk to them. Love them. God says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So the purpose of the transfiguration was to help the disciples and us to see that we have every reason to listen to Jesus. Let's listen to Jesus. This is my beloved son, God said, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Let's pray. First of all, I praise you that you are not a God who moves away from us when we are struggling, when we are doubting, when we are weak or tempted but you promise that as we turn to you and ask for help through Christ, you will always give us everything that we need. Everything. We don't need to come up with it ourselves. We don't need to bring anything to the table except our need. And the table is full of all the spiritual food that we need to strengthen us and to help us. So thank you for your mercy in Christ. And Father, I pray that you would... Help us see now areas in our lives where we are not listening to your Holy Son, Jesus. Forgive us. Forgive us for thinking that because we've listened to him in other areas, we don't need to listen in this one area. Forgive us, cleanse us, strengthen us now. Help us to see that Jesus who spoke those words is fully God. He is the Messiah promised in the Old Testament and we have every reason to listen to him. And so strengthen us to listen to your Holy Son Today, tomorrow, in the weeks to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.